It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get through right it. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccine are available to millions of Americans and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, the hug her and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people, and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner. we got a great one in store today. You'd think it was a Friday. I'm, uh, I've got a guilty pleasure coming up here in a couple of minutes. I have one coming up tomorrow, too, um, to kick the weekend off uh, early. We're going to shine the, the spotlight on uh, primarily show business, but in... Uh, in one case, a 1980s TV show that I never wanted to miss called Moonlighting. But we'll we'll get into that tomorrow. Today on the show, we're going to, uh, well, we'll be invoking the authentic self, which is the title of a book by Tim Mansfield. He'll join us during the third half of our three-hour tour and talk about his experiences as a member of the U.S. spiritual community Enlightened Next, where he was for 19 years a member of that cult that uh, met its demise in 2013. But he talks uh, a little bit about uh, the good things about it. It's an interesting conversation to be sure, so uh, be sure and join us during the third hour. We're going to talk... Uh, to author Jeremy Lent about his new book, The Web of Meaning, Integrating Science and Traditional Wisdom to Find Our Place in the Universe. That's coming up in the second hour of our three-hour tour. But up first, and just a, oh, a minute or two away, um, 
this is is really a guilty pleasure for me because um, my my guest today gave one of the best answers in a presidential debate ever, and and we'll talk about that with the author of a new book. It's called The Division of Light and Power, about his experiences as uh, mayor of Cleveland, and uh, and some of the corruption that he ran into with regard to the uh, power company. Um, he he later went on to serve a couple of years in the uh, state senate in Ohio and became a congressman uh, where he was for 16 years, including um, two runs for the Democratic nomination for president. And uh, we'll we'll talk about that and more with Dennis Kucinich coming up in just a uh, just a moment or so. And uh, I hope you uh, enjoy today's show. I hope you'll uh, be back to wrap up the week with us tomorrow and kick the weekend off early um, with uh, with what we've got going on tomorrow as well. But uh, don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. My conversation with uh, former presidential candidate, congressman, and Cleveland Mayor Dennis Kucinich is next. <music> Welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. My uh, my guest this hour served as mayor of Cleveland from 1977 to 79. He was in the uh, Ohio State Senate from 95 to 97 and spent 16 years in the U.S. House of Representatives from 97 to 2013 and ran twice for the Democratic nomination for U.S. president. Um, and during one of those campaigns, he gave my favorite answer in a presidential uh, debate, and we'll talk about that with uh, my guest. He is the author of a new book called The Division of Light and Power um, that tells an old story, and we'll find out all about that with my guest, Dennis Kucinich. Dennis, welcome to the show. Tom, thanks. Uh, good to join you. appreciate uh, uh, being on with you. Thank you. Since I set it out there, we'll we'll get it out of the way up front. I have said many times that uh, you gave my favorite debate answer ever when somebody was pressing you about having been recalled as mayor of Cleveland um, as about uh, electability or something. And you came back with what I thought was such a courageous and brilliant comeback and said, I am the only one on this stage who was willing to lose his job to do what was right. Mm. Do you remember that? Well, yeah, I do, and I appreciate you uh, recalling that, so to speak. Um, I, I'm, um, you know, what are, we, what are we in this for? I mean, if you're in it for yourself, there's opportunities, but if you're in it for the people, you have to be willing to take the risks. Now, this book, The Division of Light and Power, focuses a lot on on things that you experienced firsthand as uh, mayor of Cleveland. And you got into a pretty nasty uh, political battle. And, and you were the youngest mayor in a, in a big city in America at that time, at age 31. Um, but why tell the story now? Well, it, it, uh, as it uh, turns out, the story's uh, relevant to every city in this country and in other countries uh, where people uh, are not sure of why decisions are made and who's making the decisions. The Division of Light and Power is actually uh, a roadmap 
to understanding the systems of power that exist uh, in a community and also to understand uh, what happens when government is not serving the interests of the people. You know, one of the things I point out at the front of the book is that government works. The question is, who's it working for? And uh, that, that question kept coming up again and again and again. And that question is as relevant today as it was years ago when I was mayor of Cleveland, as it was even 10 years before that when I first entered into politics. So, you know, I share in this book, The Division of Light and Power, uh, not just my journey, but my understanding of how the system actually works. And it's something most people have no clue about. Uh, you know, you just pay your taxes, you pay your utility bills, and you just go on. Well, when you stop and look at the system, and it's sometimes, you know, you're paying taxes that you shouldn't be paying for things that you wouldn't want to, to support if you really understood. You're paying utility bills that in more cases than not uh, might be much higher than you should otherwise be paying, uh, including if they're owned by a public, uh, by a municipality. Uh, but certainly if your utilities are owned by a private company, you're paying a premium so they can pay high salaries and dividends to their shareholders. You know, I, I raise these questions because it's it's really important for people to have control over democratic institutions, and often, Tom, they do not. Well, you know, the th- the thing is, your your book is being described as giving an unprecedented, fully documented insider's account of a battle against a shadow city government, which engaged in corporate espionage, sabotage, price fixing, cutthroat competition, antitrust activities organized crime and wholesale fraud and there is even some talk about assassination attempts if anyone else tried to tell this story dennis they'd get fitted for a foil hat but you yeah, were except that but uh, you were except there that I have hun- hun- except that i have hundreds and hundreds of document of uh you know of of documents that prove the case. You know, if you look at the end notes uh, to the book, you'll see that uh, this isn't anything I made up. This comes, a lot of it comes from uh, uh, discovery and court documents, and it comes from uh, uh, news accounts uh, that, you know, were published or, or, or broadcast. Uh, you know, everything in this is, is provable. And so, yeah, you're right. I mean, at the time that I was mayor, people were telling me those things weren't even happening when, when a theft was occurring. It's like somebody stealing your car and you're looking at it, at them steal it, and they look at you and they say, I'm not stealing this car, and then they drive away. <laughs> well, did they steal it or not? They told you they didn't, right? But your car's gone. What do you believe? Do you believe what they told you, or do you believe your eyes? And so what I did as mayor was to believe my eyes and not what I was being told. And my eyes saw corporate espionage, sabotage, a conspiracy against the interests of the city, uh, uh, corporations that were trying to steal the city's municipal electric system. And, you know, and, and, I, I, and I paid a, a certain price, uh, but in the end, we, we were able to save the uh, Division of Light and Power, which, you know, is the, uh, the title name of the book. And it was also the name of the municipal utility, the Division of Light and Power. And the battle over that was really a, a premonition, you know, it's, in a way it's a premonition of what uh, can be expected in, in America in the post-COVID era as cities run out of their uh, 
the federal funds they're they're getting, and uh, suddenly people, you know, outside interests have these bright ideas about well, why don't you sell your water system? You'll you'll be able to pay, you know, your your workers. Why don't you sell your electric system? Why don't you sell your waste collection services or whatever? I mean, privatization is in the offing again, and this book is a is a uh, you know admonishes people about the dangers of privatization and and how to fight back how did how did the issue first come up for you as uh, uh, mayor of cleveland um was it did it seem like a fairly simple request um a, a bank saying you know hey we've got a, a customer of ours that would like to buy the city's utilities um was it well, was it, it that nonchalant that, no, 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 not at all. I mean, yeah, it's about as about as about nonchalant as somebody putting a gun to your head. So let's back up a minute. The book sure. opens with my entry onto the scene of this of <laughs> of the division of light and power. I'm with my wife. We're in downtown Cleveland. We're shopping. It's a few days before Christmas, and suddenly all the lights go off. It's like, what the heck is this about? You know, just a few days before Christmas, all the Christmas lights go up. So I call, I, I had just been elected to council. I hadn't taken office yet. I call the uh, person at uh, Muni Light and say, hey, what's going on? He tells me there's a boiler down and, you know, lights are off all over the city. And that, that opening of the book is the first of many blackouts that occur throughout the book. And spoiler alert, and this is one of many shocks that, people will have when they read the book, they will see that this private utility, which had been conspiring to take over the publicly owned utility, was doing everything it could to block uh, approval of repairs so that the municipal utility would be able to function uh, at top performance. And more than that, uh, they blocked the city from being able to purchase power from outside. The only place, uh, if there was a, Cleveland was isolated, your electric system was isolated, and what happened was when the city needed power, they had to get it from the private utility if there was a, a power failure. And what we found out is that through the federal investigation is that this private utility was creating blackouts on the municipal system to, to, to pave the way for the purchase of that system, for taking it over. And we're talking about the dirtiest kind of dirty pool because the whole city suffers. And they didn't, give, they didn't care about that. You know, they were in it. They just wanted a monopoly. And they needed a monopoly to pay off their rising bills for nuclear power plants. It didn't work. I mean, this story, there's never been a story like this in American politics. And some, some people are recognizing that. I mean, it's being called an epic tale of American corruption. It's being compared to Chinatown and uh, to The Godfather and Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. I mean, the comparisons that this book is, is bringing forth, it really shows, the uh, as people have read it, the, uh, uh, the response that's coming is like, whoa, this, this actually happened. This isn't fiction. More with Dennis Kucinich. Straight ahead. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places. So be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Lions. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annanick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's, that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. Hey, Tom. This is my favorite interview always. You, you, <laughs> it's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. 
This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More with Dennis Kucinich straight ahead. I'm I'm a little fuzzy about the uh, about the blackouts. If the division of light and power was still owned by the city, how were these outside interests able to impact these uh, these little warning shots? And and that's a and that's a good question because what they did the city. Uh, would would need a power, okay? You know, for whatever reason, would need power, and and it, and it was, the city was isolated. Every other utility in the country was connected to the national grid. Cleveland had to go through CEI to get to the national grid, and whenever they needed power, the and the federal investigators determined that power transfers were operated in such a way as to deliberately cause a blackout on the muni system. And then, I mean, this is like almost a verbatim quote from from a federal investigation. And then, uh, when the city, so the city would then plug into the uh, uh, CEI system for a for getting some temporary power. CEI create the blackout, and then when they had to plug back into the Muni system when they were stabilized, CEI would create another blackout. This is like the dirtiest pool you could imagine. And and it was all documented by the federal government, and and yet even though that happened, Tom, the city, knowing the dirty tricks that were being played, the city determined they were going to sell the system. I mean, you know, if you could if you could imagine that someone tries to burn down your business, and then you just you say, okay, well, you know, I'll, I'll sell you my business, you know, uh, just don't burn it down. You know, it's like a mob kind of practice. And they were operating under those principles. You know, you're talking about people who, in a just world, every one of those officials would have gone to jail. Every one of them. But instead, they became our leading citizens. And and did the, did the sale take place? Oh, yeah. It was negotiated in the mid-70s. And I stepped in uh, with a petition drive to uh, uh, create a referendum. In the meantime, I end up running for mayor. I uh, get elected mayor. I cancel the sale, but that's when the that's when the real story starts because that's when uh, a, a light bill that had been um, that where the city was purchasing. Remember the, the the private utility stopped the city from repairing its own generators. The city had to purchase power from the private utility. The private utility caused the city to pay three times what they were charging anyone else for power. So they were running up a deficit, okay? And what happened was that uh, they used that to say, well, you know, uh, you're not, uh, you're, uh, you can't operate at a profit, uh, even though the city would, you know, was making a profit, so you're going to have to sell. So what happened was, by the time I got to be mayor, there was this $18 million electric bill inherited from the previous mayor who wanted to sell the light system to pay the light bill. The light system was worth over a quarter billion dollars, and he wanted to sell it at a, at a cut rate, uh, the argument being, well, we got to pay this light bill. I mean, would, would anyone out there listening sell <laughs> their house to pay a light bill? It's absurd, but Cleveland was ready to do that, and I challenged it. I well, became mayor, and then what happened is the, the utility then began to put pressure on me, and their banking partners uh, began to pressure as well. 
using your car analogy, that's like selling your car to buy a tank of gas. Exactly right. I mean, that, that's, a, that's a great analogy also. I mean, this was the kind of illogical uh, world that I ventured into. And when I, uh, when I said, hey, you know, this is wrong, people would say, well, what do you know? <laughs> Again, it's a theft was occurring. I blew the whistle, and people were saying, "Well, who's this guy making all the noise with the whistle?" <laughs> <laughs> who who gave that kid a whistle? Um, yeah, exactly. Oh, that and and let's take the whistle away. What about assassination attempts? That seems. I, I mean, I understand political and financial pressure, and you know some of these these other kind of. Uh, uh, cutthroat activities, but assassination? Well, let, let me just tell you that um, I never talked about that when I was mayor because, you know, it's like I'm, I, and, I, and I didn't think about it because you just have to do your job and, you know, everyone has hazards and mine happened to be uh, a little extreme, but I just forged forward and did my job. But what happened is there was an attempt where a high-powered rifle bullet missed my head by a fraction, just luck. I got up from a chair, and just the minute I got up, uh, uh, you know, it's like simultaneous with a trigger being pulled. I just, I, I was really lucky I wasn't shot. And uh, the uh, um, U.S. Uh, Senate Subcommittee on Organized Crime did an investigation, and uh, um, and basically. Um, uh, affirmed or proved that there was this plot out there uh, that um, uh, police intelligence in Cleveland uh, tied directly to the light system because there was a lot of money at, at stake. And NBC in Cleveland uh, was somehow able to uh, get a, an interview with a shadowy uh, uh, figure that they created uh, electronically an, uh, an organ, uh, a hitman who had been convicted, and they, they interviewed him, and he said that he was going to take the job to, uh, uh, you know, I don't want to put this he, delicate, he, he was going he, to take the job. He bid on and, killing and you. Yeah, well, but, but he said, <laughs> I mean, and that's the, just... the, the investigative reporter asked him why, he says, because we can't buy Kucinich. Those were his words. Wow. You know, we can't buy Kucinich, so we have to work different ways with him. And this is all in the book. And, and again, I didn't, you know, I didn't talk about it because there were people at the time who would say, well, he's just making himself. No, I didn't say anything about it. But when you read it in the context of the whole story, you see what was at stake. I mean, there was ne there's never been anything, you know, that's ever surfaced a story about you know, the seamy side of politics and what's really underneath the corruption that goes on in the cities that people aren't even aware of. And I was lucky to get out of there alive, truth be told. And that, that then asks the question, or begs the question, why would you then go back to it in the, in the state Senate and then later in the U.S. House? Why, why would you continue in politics knowing well, I'm not how ugly let, it could be? You know, I'm not going to be bullied into changing my choices because somebody's threatening me. You know, the minute you start to succumb to threats, whether it's in your personal life or your professional life, you're done, okay? And, you know, just to share this, and this isn't said in any um, 
um, you know, bragging way. But I can't be intimidated. You know, no one can tell me what I have to do if I think it's wrong. Not going to happen. I don't care. You say what you're going to do anything. I'm not afraid of that. And I think I think that part of the lesson of the book is that if you really believe in something, take a stand. Don't back down. You know, you take chances. Yeah, you take chances. Uh, did I take chances? Uh, yep. Uh, <laughs> you know, am I that much different than anybody else? No. But uh, you know. We're all made differently, and maybe because I was a third-string varsity quarterback uh, as a freshman at St. John Cantus, four foot nine, ninety-eight pounds. You know, maybe, uh, maybe you know, I had some outsized uh, uh, concepts of physical courage. Uh, but I can tell you that, uh, you know, just if something's right, I can go for it. No one needs to encourage me. But if it's wrong. It doesn't matter what anyone says they're going to do to me. I don't care, you know. And I'm, and I, you know, that's what the book's about. You know, I'm not saying, you know, some people look at that and they say, well, this guy is, you know, off the deep end, and, and others may have another view. But look, I, you know, I wasn't looking for anything from public life other than to serve. But this was real-life political drama being played out over 40 years ago. And, and, it, and it speaks to the, the, the highest level of uh, political and, and social corruption in the, in the city of Cleveland. And you're telling the story now. The question, and there are so many questions, Dennis, but, but let's start with, has it gotten better or worse it's the same everywhere. That's you that's know, what I'm that's what I'm getting at, Dennis. It's you know yeah, here we are forty it's, years it's, later. It's, you know, well, this is you know time's an illusion when you're talking about people and power. It, it just you know that's that's the culture that we live in. Was it always that way? Not necessarily, but is it a factor? Absolutely. When any time a government decision is made, and, and you, the listeners can't figure it out i will promise you at the at at the root of it is some kind of a corruption and and you know it's it's all about you know systems are set up to serve people but people go into public life for different reasons you know i talk about at the beginning of my book i talk about my entry into city hall and how people were old enough to be my grandfather at the time because was only 23 when i got elected to council uh, came up to me, and they immediately tried to, you know, started to tell me about all the opportunities that existed for office holders. I wasn't interested in any of that, but it's a reality. You know, people see their opportunity, you know, like the Plunkett of Tammany Hall uh, uh, described sure. uh, his his service in this way. I seen my opportunities, and I took them, and, and that's not unusual. You know, we're talking about the human experience, or we're talking about you know, there's all kinds of reasons why people go into politics, and there's all kinds of, of reasons why people serve or don't. You know, I mean, and, and the reason for this book and the reason why it's relevant now is that, you know, this isn't like the old civics classes with the legislative, executive, and judicial branch <laughs> and little boxes, and this is how, you know, you've got to create another box and, and put a dollar sign on it and, you know, draw it into the equation. 
because there's a whole different thing happening with government. We're in danger of losing our uh, our, our democracy at every level because of the because of the influence of interest groups who are who who want to seize public assets for and use them for their own uh, uh, narrow uh, uh, financial gain. And this book is. And it will end up being a shield for people who are in public life who who really want to do the right thing, who well, that, want to take a stand. Dennis, that's what I want to get to is um, there are initiatives going on around the country. There's one here in Michigan where my show is based to um, reconfigure the way that elective districts are drawn, or gerrymandering as it's called. Um and and then the GOP is working on trying to tighten up uh, voting requirements. And there are all these different things going on. But yet, and, and there's all the jokes. You've heard them, uh, you know, America has the best Congress money can buy and, you know, the like. Is Is there a toothpaste and tube scenario where we can put the paste back in the tube or um, is it just this way and you learn to understand it and live with it? Uh, An enlightened citizenry is the best defense of democracy. It always has been and always will be. And so, you, you know, the message is you can't leave government just to politicians. There are people in there who need support and, you know, you can give it to them if you inquire as to what's going on but to but to stand apart from our civic process is to forfeit an opportunity to have any input at all and also to forfeit sometimes your your economic rights and your political rights i mean the fact that voting um there's an attempt to try to limit people's voting rights going on all over the country it's crazy. I mean, we should, you know, we, you know, there are countries around the world, and you know, that uh, are 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 democratic of sorts, and they'll have anywhere from, you know, eighty percent up of people participating in elections. You know, you want people to participate, if only on a level of their vote. And so, you know, what my, but they have to know what what the system's about, and the division of light and power. Uh, shows people the possibilities of the system. You know, not every place is like Cleveland was then. But I can tell you that the, that, that the major um, um, forces that are at work are well described in that book, and those forces still at work today. You know, time's an illusion when it comes to this. It's, you know, we, you know we're, we're in a democratic experiment here, which is, you know, in, uh, you know its third... Uh, in its third century of operation, and you know, um, you know, it's a republic if you can keep it, as one person said. You know, we we don't. There's no guarantees that we that we have a democracy down the road, and so this is a a continued struggle, uh, and the only way that we end up uh, being assured that our point of view and our concerns are going to be addressed is to be involved. And the division of light and power tells how people in Cleveland became involved and, and, and rose up to defend their economic interests. And all they needed was a little bit of help and a little bit of leadership, which of course I, I 
provided. So, yeah, I mean, I, you know, this, Tom, Tom, when you, when you look at, this book is written on so many different levels. It took a long time to write. It's fully documented. When you look at it, uh, I have had people tell me that once they read the book, they, they look at, uh, at government in a totally different way. And that's what I want to achieve. I want to achieve people. This is not just a discussion to open up people's eyes about the kind of stuff that goes on. Well, and and this the book tells this this story and and lays it out in a way that people can see um, how how it can work and how it does work. Um, right. But the the question is be, either because of incompetence or corruption, faith in institutions is at an all time low. The trust between the citizenry and its elected representatives is at an all-time low. People don't even trust science anymore. How do, how, do we, how do we get people to wake up and say, we can still make this better? Well, it, um, it begins with each individual caring about community. And we have to we have to rescue and restore a sense of community. That you know this world is you know we we have to step out of our own enclosures and realize that you know none of us survives on our own. We we have to con- have contact with other people and and we have to uh, rely on community to support our our security. And um, you know this is really. You can't have a, a democracy unless you also have a sense of community and common interest, a common unity. Uh, and, and, you know, America's lost some of that, but I think it can be regained. You know, we have to see what are those things that unite us. And I think what unites us are the desire for a clean and safe neighborhoods, the desire for healthy people, desire for our children to receive a decent education. And we have to go back to those things that mean something to all of us are to, that relate to our practical aspirations and connect at that level. This isn't about Democrat or Republican. This isn't about left or right or liberal conservative. It's about, it's about our, our aspirations for our cities and for our nation. And, you know, that's, that's the prize that we ought to keep our eyes on. Well, this is a, a, a fascinating discussion and, and one that needs to be had. I, I suspect, Dennis, you would agree that people need to get their information from other sources than social media and bumper stickers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you get your information wherever you can get it. And, you know, I think, I think what happens in the mixed master of, of, our, of, of information that comes to us from so many different sources, ultimately each one of us has to decide what's real and what's not. And, and you know, it's, it, it, there, are, there are many different avenues available today to get information. But no matter where you get it from, you still have to decide based on your own, you know, the way you look at the world and your own experience and uh, as to what's real and what's not. And there's a lot of debate about that these days. I mean, I will tell you, Tom, I'm very concerned about the level of polarization that's taking place, as if to say, well, there's only one way of looking at the world. There's many different ways of looking at the world, and 
and many of them are very valid and, you know, and have to be respected. But at the same time, uh, you know, as Oliver Wendell Holmes, uh, and I think it was famously said, you're right to swing your fist ends at the tip of my nose. We have to, we have to respect other people's uh, rights. And we have to, in a way, we need a new discussion about what, what are the rights that each of us has. You know, it used to be years ago, someone would be intercepted or not served uh, right by uh, the government, and they would say, I'm an American citizen and I demand my rights. We had a firm, clear view of what it was uh, as a citizen that we were entitled to in a democracy, and now it's all blurred. So, you know, if in some small way the writing of this book and the publishing of it can help people rethink what government ought to be about, then it's been worth it. More with Dennis Kucinich, Straight A. For a while, so I'll be staying here inside. It's too dangerous out in the world. I'll see you on the other side. But when I'm in my quarantine, in my little place too high, my heart is aching and I'm missing you. I'll see you on the other side.
Sons, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Start your weekend early with the Tom Sumner Program every Friday live at 11. We turn the spotlight on the world of arts and entertainment featuring artists from music, TV, and the movies. Catch everything from the rich local talent pool in and around Flint and Genesee County to up-and-coming stars of stage and screen, plus legends from New York and Hollywood. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe Bye from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is... This is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hempel. Start your weekend right. Go to 11 Fridays on the Tom Sumner Program. Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the bath. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. 
The Tom Sumner Program.com. Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More with Dennis Kucinich straight ahead. Well, the name of the book is The Division of Light and Power, and uh, it's written by Dennis Kucinich. And Dennis, I, I just want to say before we before we wrap up that I mentioned you were going to be on the show, and I got a call from someone who participates um, as a as a pundit on my my weekly political roundtable, and um, she said when you talk to Dennis, her name is Bobby Clayton Walton. She said when you talk to Dennis, tell him you got a call from somebody that worked on his presidential campaign. She was a co-chair, I think, in in Michigan. Oh well, you. please look. We had some great meetings in Michigan, and I want to mention this before I go, Tom. You know. Um, Years ago, uh, hold on a minute. Years ago, uh, when my family was uh, having a very rough patch, we uh, we moved to Michigan for a while. And are you still there? Yeah. Yeah. Years ago, we moved to Michigan for a while, and we lived in a little town called Millington, which uh, wasn't you know not that far from Flint, and. And, and I, um, I have really great memories of that time. And I've always wanted to kind of go back to Millington and see, uh, you know, there was a Schumacher's restaurant then. There was yeah. St. Bernard's Church that I walked to a couple miles every Sunday. And there was a Millington, uh, there was a, a grade school I went to. And, and it was, we lived on a little farm for a while when my mom was recovering from a nervous breakdown. And it was a magical period in our lives. Someday I'd like to just go back there and kind of like uh, see what's there now and reminisce. But I had a lot of good, good feelings about that period. It was a period of uh, of, of peace and recovery <laughs> in the middle of a storm. Well, I'm I'm glad to hear that. And you're always welcome in Michigan. If you do come back, take a little stroll down memory lane. Let me know. I'll buy you lunch. If shoemakers hey, are still there, right. we'll, we'll go to shoemakers. But, Dennis, I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can get good information about what we've been talking about, where they can find out more about you and your writing, past, present, and hopefully future. Um, well, right, right now, the book, uh, you know, people can find it many different sources. Sure. Uh, go to finneyavenuebooks.com. And, of course, I can always be... Uh, uh, reached on Facebook and a number of other social media. But right now, for the book, com, and uh, if you uh, need to reach me, you can reach me through there. Uh, the book is going on sale on June the 8th, and it'll be available uh, on an electronic version as well as a print, and just finishing it to edit on the audio, on the audio right now. Well, Dennis, thank you so much for spending this time with me and the listeners. And uh, I want to say thank you for your service and um, uh, keep up the good work. Well, thanks. And and thank you for uh, being, you know, a faithful uh, voice of the people on the air for so many years, Tom. Thank you. All right. Take care. Take care. Bye. Bye. That was uh, Dennis Kucinich. He is the author of uh, a new book. Um, an old story, but a new book, The Division of Light and Power. 
And um, he served as uh, mayor of Cleveland, Ohio from 1977 to 1979. He was then the youngest uh, mayor of a, of a large American city at that time. Uh, he was in the Ohio uh, State Senate um, for uh, two years and then uh, served 16 years in Congress and uh, also ran twice for the Democratic nomination for U.S. President. Once again, the book is called The Division of Light and Power, and it's the uh, an unprecedented, fully documented insider's account of his battle against a shadow city government which engaged in corporate espionage, sabotage, price-fixing, cutthroat competition, antitrust activities, organized crime, and wholesale fraud. Um, hard, hard to believe, but true. Anyway, uh, that wraps it up. We'll take a uh, short break. Or, uh, yeah, we'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight. <laughs> Another five-minute mystery. See if you can solve the case before the end of the program. Well, Alice, one more block and you'll behold the Brooks household. Two whole years, Jim. It just doesn't seem possible it's been so long. You and Dorothy married and with a place of your own? Ah, it's true, all right. Only too bad you haven't taken advantage of the old Brooks hospitality sooner. Well, I'm here now and I intend on having a perfectly wonderful time. Now here we are. Oh, what a charming place this is. Dorothy's probably on needles and pins waiting for me to get you here. Darling, it's Jim. Here's Alice. <gasps> Jim, look! What? Where? There, on the living room floor. It's Dorothy, dead. Mr. Brooks, I'm afraid you and Miss Manning will have to submit to some routine questions. I'll be happy to help in any way I can, Inspector. Thank you, Miss Manning. Now, Mr. Brooks, while we're waiting for some information I phoned for, I want you to tell me exactly what happened this morning. Well, there's nothing much to tell. Both my wife and I were quite excited, expecting Alice, that is, Miss Miss Manning here, to visit us from Chicago. I was to wait until she called me at the office. And you were there all morning? Yes, until Miss Manning's train arrived and we came out here. I had written Mrs. Brooks to tell her that I would call Jim at the office as soon as I arrived. The train was an hour late. Maybe if I had been here earlier, it may have been prevented. Hmm, well, that remains to be seen. Apparently, Miss Brooks was sitting here in this chair putting red polish on her fingernails when she was shot from behind. The polish had spilled all over the carpet, and she was still holding the tiny brush in her hand. She must have recognized her attacker, and since she did not die instantly, she printed these three initials here on the floor with the polish, D-O-C. D-O-C? I wish we could tell whose initials she was trying to reveal. Yeah, sure? You don't know anyone whose name would fit that? Positive. I can't. Oh, oh. Yes, Miss Manning, can you think of somebody with those initials? Well, I, I... D-O-C spells Doc, and it's Mr. Brooks's nickname. Why, it can't be. Yes, Mr. Brooks. I haven't been called Doc in over two years. It was a nickname I picked up in school. My wife didn't like the name and never used it. No one in New York even knows me by Doc. I've, you've got to believe me, Inspector. It's the truth. Hmm, well, that we'll see. Just a minute. Hello? Yes, Grady? Yes? 
I see. Well, it's sold up anyway. Thanks. Well, you both will be happy to know our little murder is solved. Oh, then then it wasn't Doc after all? No, Miss Manning, it wasn't Doc. I'm arresting you, Miss Manning, for the murder of Dorothy Brooks. Why did the inspector arrest Miss Manning for the murder of Mrs. Brooks? In a moment, we'll hear. And now, back to our story. How dare you arrest me? I was still on the train. Your train wasn't late, Miss Manning. That phone call just verified the fact. You came out here, murdered Miss Brooks, returned to the station, and called Mr. Brooks to pick you up. That wasn't what really gave you away, though, Miss Manning. Too bad you didn't know Mr. Brooks was no longer called Doc when you printed those letters on the carpet. The next time you leave a name as a clue to throw suspicion, you'd better get the name right. But of course, there won't be a next time, will there, Miss Manning? Join us again next time for another chance to solve a five-minute mystery. Hey, on behalf Demo of Detroit, beats on the check. Hey, we want to present these buffs to our governor. Hey. Big Grits. Throw the buffs on her face, cause that's Big Grits. We ain't even about the stress. We got Big Grits. You can find her in the press. Under Big Grits. Fresh in a new dress. Yeah, that's Big Grits. Throw the buffs on her face, cause that's Big Grits. We ain't even about the stress. We got Big Grits. At all. You can find her in the press. Under Big Grits. Fresh in a new dress. Yeah, that's Big Grits. Come on. Big Grits and this bitch playing no roles. At Excuse all. all the cussing. That's just how I get my flow on. For real. If you want to leave the state, you can stay gone. But right now, Big Grits said stay home. All that protesting was irrelevant. irrelevant. Big Grits ain't trying to hear y'all or the president. How we going to take orders from a non-resident? Talking about it safe, but he ain't coming with the evidence. Got him shook now. When it's all over, you invited to the cookout. When it's all over, you deserve to get took out. Big Grinch with the bucks on on the lookout. Uh. And she doing it for Michigan, so when she hit the stand, everybody should be listening. She on their pair of bucks with the ice in them glistening. On behalf of the whole Detroit mission. Throw the bucks on her face, cause that's Big Grinch. We ain't even about the stress. We got Big Grinch. At all. You can find her in the press. Under Big Grinch. Fresh in a new dress. Yeah, that's Big Grinch. Throw the bucks on her face, cause that's Big Grinch. We ain't even about the stress. We got Big Grinch. At all. You can find her in the press. Under Big Grinch. Fresh in a new dress. Yeah, that's Big Grinch. Big Grinch. show down here. 
It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here.